0: You're listening to Fit Girl, your guide to getting in shape, the podcast dedicated to helping you separate fact from fiction in fitness. Stop struggling and learn what really works to get the body you want and keep it. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com. This is podcast episode number 249. In today's episode, we'll discuss circuit and high intensity exercise, three mistakes that are often made when going low carb and how to think yourself slim. Okay, so off the bat, I am not an advocate of low carb dieting, but I know some of you are. So I wanted to at least give you a couple of uh, pieces of information on some common mistakes that people make when they're going low carb. So just so you know, that's not something that I would usually have my clients do unless they're prepping for a um, bodybuilding competition. But most of the time, in reality, if you start far enough out, you really don't need to go low carb at all, but maybe for like one day before the contest there's a lot of misconceptions on that too but anyways we'll get to that in nutrition i really can't believe how time has been flying by Um, i thought i'd have a lot more done by now but i don't so you know there's still going to be some surprises coming up if it's just if i can get things moving faster that would be great um, I hope you guys are all doing well with the covid not get, not having the covid and managing to get some sort of workout in and that's where I've kind of rechanged the whole thing i was going to do with the quick fit club and try to get some things that you can actually do at home and that way it's uh, short easy to follow and can keep you on track while boosting your metabolism and getting you where you want to be because for some people there's no telling when their gyms will reopen or when they will go back to work or exercise um, i know here in florida the gyms have reopened but now they're talking about closing them again so the fact is we're probably going to have to be working out at home for quite a while and it's really never a bad idea to have some sort of workout routine that you can go to whether you're at home or even traveling and i think the key here is to make it short because whenever you're at home there's always going to be distractions. We're still going to continue with our series on different methods of training because whether you're at the gym or whether you're at home, you can still make use of all of these methods. They're just going to be probably with different equipment or body weight or just different exercise. So right now we're on method number three, but just to review with you, method number one was eccentric exercise methods. That would be the lowering portion of your exercise and changing that up with the time under tension. And then periodization, which I think most people do as far as either linear, reverse linear, whatever, you usually have some sort of progression that you work for over a three to four five or more week schedule that you might plan out. And you know if you don't plan your workouts out then you know it's the old saying that you if you fail to plan you plan to fail so you always should have some sort of outline or workout program or whatever in your head before you start your workouts Now method number three is kind of a combination of circuits, but of high intensity exercise. Now in reality, high intensity exercise is well supposed to be high intensity. And in that case, you wouldn't be able to maintain it for a very long time. So I really have a hard time when people tell me they're doing four minutes worth of high intensity, something of, you know, one particular exercise, because you really can't do a burst like a full on sprint for four minutes. So you're High intensity really would range anywhere between 10 seconds and maybe 60 seconds at the max. Um, Anything else, you're really not going to be giving it your all. I mean, yes, I know you think you are, but it's not like a sprint. So when you think high intensity, think of just a sprint as fast as you can. And when you think about that, you'll realize you can't do that for a long time. And you might even want to go outside or to a track or whatever and do a full on sprint and see when you start to kind of taper off on your speed or your energy or your exertion, and that could give you a good idea of how many seconds you can handle a high intensity exercise. That's also a great way to measure your progress when it comes to that, because if you're getting stronger, if you're gaining more endurance, then the next time you do that, let's say two or three months later, You're going to be faster or you're going to be able to maintain that sprint a little bit longer. Interestingly enough, the study I found actually used yet another technique while doing this um, research. They use what's called rest pause and that's where you do as many as you can and then maybe you'd stop, take a breath and then try to get another one and another one and you keep doing that until you can't get any more at all. And then that becomes the end of the set. So in this study, they did use a six-rep maximum for their weight. So that obviously means you're not going to be doing much more than that. And you should already know what that is based on how you work out now. And there's calculators, um, and I can put some links to them, that will calculate based on your 12-rep maximum what your one-rep, two-rep, three-rep maximum would be. So you don't actually have to do a one-rep max to know what rem- one rep max you can do. Wow, try to say that a couple of times fast, not so easy. So they compared the weight training group to a control group, which is actually just doing um, endurance only training. And of course the difference was swell quite a bit. Um, the biggest reductions in body weight and percent of fat loss came with the higher intensity group. And once again, when this group was training with their high intensity, they were focusing a little bit more on the eccentric actions of the muscle. So that negative was coming into play again. So really this is a combination of several different methods, the rest pause, the eccentric, um, and of course the high intensity using that heavier weight, which is always what you wanna do if you really wanna impact your metabolism. You have to push your body to do something it can't normally do. So basically, the takeaways from this particular study is that the greater the intensity, the greater the motor unit recruitment, and the greater the tension and time under tension to make that muscle respond. The longer time under tension, of course, also Creates greater motor unit recruitment. I don't know why I'm having a hard time saying that. I think I'm about to sneeze um, for a longer period of time. So you have intensity and time under tension, and that's going to be giving that muscle a greater response. And along lines with that, the metabolic stress that is put on the body is going to be activating those muscle muscle pathways and actually growing a little bit of muscle. You know, not the big huge one, but muscle density that is in your body that helps to boost the metabolism. So what we take away then is that the best way to add additional muscle, which is also the best way to increase your metabolism and to keep that metabolism cranked even while you are doing absolutely nothing, is to use the heaviest weight possible to failure. Now I know sometimes if you're working out at home, you only have a certain selection of weights. So you might not be able to use your six rep max or your five rep max or something that's even heavier than what you have. And that's where you want to bring into that time under tension and really focus on the extra slow lowering portion of the workout or over your exercise. And you don't have to do it for every exercise, but the ones that are for the larger body parts, like your lunges and your rows, those are definitely the ones that are going to give you more bang for your buck. And that's where you'd want to use it, even to the point that maybe you can actually do the rest pause too. You might fatigue and then be able to take one breath and get one or two more. And then that would make it even more effective for you, not only for changing the shape of your body, but for also boosting that metabolism permanently. So I apologize if I sound funny. I put some lotion on, um, which I never do. And I guess the, the smell, the perfume smell is just getting to me. But anyways, we're going to move right on to nutrition and fat loss mistakes that some people will make when they're going low carb. Okay, so I already gave you the, my little disclaimer that I'm not a proponent of low carb eating. So the one of the biggest mistakes is inadequate protein intake and that has to do with not only the um, amount of protein it also goes with the type of protein because there are some proteins that are better than others you want ones that are complete proteins they have all the amino acids in them those are things like meat um, eggs you know plant source of protein is fine but they're not going to be complete so balancing it out can be a trick so if you're going low carb and you're going non-meat you're really going to have to play around with your foods and your numbers to get the right balance to really keep you in the right zone for muscle growth and recovery because that it is your processing of your protein of course with your other foods too that help you recover and obviously leads to your increased metabolism and your muscle Now, the other issue with the protein intake is that people usually do have more of it when they're uh, on low-carb diets, but what happens is they end up with a reduced caloric intake that is too low and can also slow down the metabolism. So again, you have to look at your numbers and see what you're intaking. Don't just take it for granted that that's all you need to eat is protein and vegetables. Um, For low-carb dieting, you need to increase your Protein intake, about 30-50%. I mean, that's quite a lot for most people, and trying to get the right amount of calories on that might not be the easiest thing. But keep in mind, low-carb diets can also mean higher-fat diets, so you can kind of balance it out that way. Of course, the most important thing is to really not diet at all, but to have a healthy combination of foods at each meal. Now, talking about fats, the wrong kind of fats can do more damage than good, and not enough of the right fats can mess you up as well. So. You really have to fine tune Um, your low carb diets. Yeah, they're going to require more fats, but you want them from healthy sources that have omega-3s and um, MCTs uh, like coconut oil and some monounsaturated fats, olive oil, avocado. I mean, these are some of the things you probably already think of as healthy foods and probably already eating them with that um, low carb diet or just regular diet because they're healthy. Uh, But you have to actually add those up into your caloric intake so that, again, you make sure you don't go too low in calories because when you do that, it just messes up your metabolism, makes it much easier to gain weight afterwards, and that's kind of pointless. You know, we don't want to mess up our metabolism, we want to increase it and make it better. Now, the third tip I want to give you, if you don't drink caffeine now, it doesn't mean you have to start, but caffeine can be useful when you are dieting or just when you're low on energy. If it's part of your regular routine, there's nothing wrong with that. And especially uh, before your workout, especially if you're on a low-carb diet, it might give you that extra boost that you need and help you lose more fat just by giving you more energy to do a better workout. So. Keep in mind, it's not an evil thing, but you do have to use it smart, smartly. I don't even know if that's a word, but you do have to be smart about the use of it um, because if you're too dehydrated, it's gonna increase your heart rate too much and that can be very unhealthy for some people. So like everything else, we just have to balance it out, pay attention to what you're eating, what you're taking, how it all adds up, and do your best to stay within the guidelines that are appropriate for your age and your size and your goals. Now in motivation, we've been talking about things that you can do to think yourself slim. And one of the things is to reward yourself, not necessarily with the food or anything like that, and it doesn't even have to be an item that you reward yourself with. It could just be acknowledging that you've done something different, that you're making changes and you're actually heading towards that new healthy lifestyle. This is why goal setting is so important, especially at the beginning of each week. You need to have a focus and a plan in order to know when you've reached success. So even if it's just one more minute on the treadmill or getting all three of your workouts done that week, or maybe even stopping yourself from overeating, these are all things that can be set as goals at the beginning of the week or the day or the month. And it's something tangible that you can say, yes, I did this, I did accomplish this and every single step is just one step closer to whatever your ultimate goal is, whether it's lifestyle health or losing weight or um, gaining muscle. You know, Everything requires effort and it requires steps to get to where you want to be and you can't get to where you want to be if you don't know what those steps are going to be or how to judge yourself and look for the stepping stones to get to that end result. Now, I know social media has some positives and negatives, but one of the positives is sharing your little successes with your friends or your peers or you know your social media group um, and getting that support and that encouragement and acknowledgement that we as humans pretty much seek out. That accountability can make a huge difference in whether you put forth that extra effort or whether you go ahead and push yourself a little bit harder, knowing that you're going to be reporting back to someone, whether it's a social media group or your personal trainer. And it's not just about motivating yourself, because sometimes when you post things, it actually motivates and inspires other people. So it works not only to benefit you, but to benefit those people around you. So basically your goal is to celebrate every achievement one way or another, as long as it's not using food as reward. One of the biggest things you can do to change your body is to change the way you think about things and turning negative thoughts into supportive ones are very important. It's a very important habit to try to get yourself into. It's one of those things that you often use with family, friends, children um, to help them with troubled times, but you tend to forget to do it for yourself. So think about giving yourself a break and you know that you can't be perfect all the time and you shouldn't expect to be. Now, I am clearly the first one to say that this is easier said than done, but it can be done and you just have to keep focusing on it and reminding yourself that yes, you can, you know, make some mistakes and just don't let one little thing ruin everything for you. Just make the best choice you can in given situations. And think about the overall big picture for your goal, because it's always going to take a little bit longer to reach that goal than you want. And I'm sorry to tell you that, but usually people anticipate maybe getting in shape in two months, and it really takes more like four to six. So sometimes the goals have to be revised. And to be honest with you, as much as we try to make them realistic, we usually don't. So when you make your goals, not only do you want to celebrate each achievement, but you also want to forgive yourself if you don't actually reach the goal, either on time or at all. Maybe it wasn't realistic to begin with, but you thought it was. And this is why working with a personal trainer can be very advantageous because they can be honest with you and say, you're not going to lose 50 pounds in two weeks. They can give you some better tips to adjust your goals for your lifestyle or for your schedule. And give you some extra guidance so that when you are in some of those strange situations that you need to make the best of, you'll know what to do. You'll know the right choices to make and you'll know how to keep yourself on track. And as a personal trainer, that's what we do a lot of. It's basically troubleshooting for your day-to-day life and helping you get the most out of your time so that you can get the results that you want. So remember, we always talk about goals being specific and realistic, and this is yet another multitude of reasons why they are important to actually do and to write down, because we've got too many things to remember. There's no way you're going to remember everything, let alone something that's specific. So writing it down, checking back with it, revising, these are all ways to get to that final result. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com or coachkira.com.